If you've got your Bible, uh, you can turn to Luke 1. If you don't have your Bible, that's okay, because I sent it, and it's going to be on the screen right now, so I was thinking ahead for you. Uh, we're going to go to Luke 1, 26 to 38. Uh, it says, here we go, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. The title of my message today that I have for you is A Holy inter Interruption. Blah. Let's say it again. A Holy Interruption. Can you say A Holy Interruption? Who here has ever been interrupted? Yep. Maybe. Who, who here was interrupted on the way to church today? Something happened. You were interrupted on the way to church right now. Uh, I feel like I have the right to talk about uh, being interrupted because I am a parent. And as a mom, we are just constantly interrupted. It's wonderful. I'm grateful for my kids. Um, but I can see a lot of the parents in the room, guardians, shaking their head going, I know what, I can feel you, Kate. I know what it's like to get interrupted. My kids are nine, seven, and five. But when they're even a little bit younger, they it would be like from the moment they got up, uh, interruption after interruption after interruption. I would wake up early. I'd try to get up early and I'd make a cup of coffee, a hot cup of coffee. And, you know, I put it in one of those Starbucks mugs, you know, the ones that everybody buys from the different cities and you bring it back and you store them in your house so you can show everyone that visits where you've been in the world. And they just feel jealous about, well, I've got five of those cups. <laughs> So thank you, Jesus, for a little bit more travel at some point. Uh, five of those cups, one has actually smashed on the ground, so apparently I haven't been to Singapore anymore. But, uh, but I would get my cup of coffee, and I'd put it in the Chicago cup, and I'd sit it down. I know, Chicago, wow. <laughs> my goodness, Disneyland. Uh, it, I know that's not the right state, but anyway, go with me. I'm Australian. I'm not American. The accent is very weird, so I don't know all of the states. Anyway, so I'd put the coffee down, the hot coffee, and I was... Oh, get my Bible, about to open my Bible, because that's what you do when you're very spiritual, and you need wisdom from the Word of God to how to be a parent, and then I would hear the cry, and, but it wasn't just a cry, it was one of those ones where it's mixed with vomit, 
and the kid has vomited or, uh, sorry, <laughs> for those sensitive stomachs or, you know, there's some type of explosion and they're just smearing it everywhere. Or, you know, so I'd leave that hot cup of coffee, of course, and I'd go attend one of the kids that was, and this happened all the time because I, again, three children. So go and t- attend it. By the time three and a half hours later, I would come back to that cup of coffee. It was no longer a hot cup of coffee. It was a cold or lukewarm cup of coffee. And I think that when we're in those situations when, you know, we're looking at this cup of coffee, you think there's three things I think that we can do. One, you could remake one, um, but I don't like to uh, waste things. I don't want to just pour it down the drain. And I, I look at it and I go, you know what? You could be microwaved. And so I microwave a lot of my coffees, and a lot of the staff down the front here, they, they think I'm strange for microwaving my coffee, and I don't need the judgment, okay, guys? <laughs> if you microwave your co- a coffee, God bless you. If you're sane, if you're a doctor here and thinking you should not be microwaving your coffee, please don't come and talk to me afterwards, because I really don't, I just really like to do that. And <laughs> but I think the third option is you just grab some ice and you just chuck that in there and you have an iced coffee for the rest of the day. Can I get an amen? Uh, <laughs> I think we, we always get interrupted. Even when the kids were little, I, I'd try and go to the CR, have a, have a shower, and you know, the one shower that you get in a, in a, in a I was gonna say a, week, a year, but in a week, um, that one shower is really precious to us, and you, you kind of slip away, you know. Are they going to notice they're doing a puzzle or they're watching something? And then 34 seconds later, Mom, Mom, are you done yet? Are you done yet? No, 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 no. I've been in here for less than a minute. No one can shower that fast. Sweetheart, <laughs> you know, the voice, sweetheart, I'll be out in a minute. You know, just watch them or just, you know, play a puzzle. And then, stop it, stop it, you know, like, it just, sna- maybe you're not like that, no, I'm not like that either, I've heard that some people are, some, some interruptions are good, right, some interruptions are good, who, who I mean, who doesn't love hearing from, you know, the, the, maybe it's the guard at a condo, or some, someone knocks on the door, and it's, it's a grab delivery, and you've had a friend that has thought about you, they just are a good friend, and there's a, there's a grab man standing there, food panda, for those that like food panda, and he's standing there, with a char time pearl milk tea, and you're just thinking, God bless my friends for thinking of me. It's a good interruption, right? We get phone calls to say that a relative has had a new baby, or you know, you get a phone call saying you've got a job promotion. There are good interruptions, but interruptions happen to us all the time, every day, all day. And I'm the, someone that really loves to plan. Any other people just love to plan, like to have a schedule, like to know what's going to happen in their day, who they're going to see, what they're going to do. But then some type of interruption changes that. It's like what I thought I was going to do, who I thought I was going to see is no longer going to happen. They keep happening. Interruptions all the time, all the time. Mary, in this, in this story, Mary definitely did not expect the kind of interruption that she got. It was a holy interruption. And it was God interrupting the plan that she had for her life for a greater calling and a greater purpose. He interrupted her life to literally bring the Messiah into the world. Pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. And if we look at Mary's life before the angel appeared, she's a good girl. She's from a good family. She loves God's law. Uh, The Bible says, theologians say she's about 13 to 15 years of age. So it's very young uh, when this happened. And she was betrothed. How good is that word? Betrothed. Betrothed to be married to Joseph. So this meant she was engaged. And engagements back then were a little bit different 
It meant that they'd committed to one another socially, financially, but they'd not yet come together physically. But like every engaged couple, they had, I'm sure they had a plan for their life, they had dreams, they had, you know, expecting to do different things together. But Mary's life, it was headed in one direction, right? But then that plan was dramatically interrupted by what God had in store for her. If you could just take a minute right now to think about, put yourself in Mary's shoes, what it would feel like, the weight of that, what she heard, that announcement, the weight of what that meant for her, that she would literally carry and bring into the world the Messiah, the Savior, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Jesus himself. Mary's life completely changed because of that holy interruption. And in Proverbs 19, verses 21, it says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. We can make plans for our lives, but God's purpose will be carried out. And as I read about Mary and and I was thinking about the different times that God has interrupted me in my life, I I just thought maybe I'll share a few thoughts this morning and pull from Mary's story. Is that okay? So the first thought is our response when interrupted reveals how much we trust the Lord. Our response when interrupted reveals how much we trust the Lord. Like I just read in Luke 1.38, it's Mary's reply uh, back to the angel of the Lord, and she said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And I kept looking up the translation. Another translation says, may everything you have said about me come true. Again, another translation, translation says, let it be according to your word. Basically, whatever translation you look up, it's a big yes from Mary. It wasn't a heart, you know, half-hearted, oh, yeah, um, Oh, I'll see how I go. Um, you know, I just went Australian then. I'll see how I go. Um, you know, I may, yeah, possibly. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. No, it was a sincere moment of this ordinary girl who loved the Lord so much, saying yes to God's extraordinary purpose and plan for her life. Mary didn't take time in that moment to, to weigh up all of the social implications or all of the cultural implications um, of her yes. She didn't take time. Mary in that moment having a holy interruption showed trust in the Lord with that yes. And her yes meant that she was completely willing to be used by God in that way to accomplish his plan. Can the same be said about us? that we would be completely willing to be used by God to accomplish his plans, to see salvation come to those around us, our loved ones, to, to see healing, you know, those that are sick healed in Jesus' name, to, to see those that needing freedom and deliverance. Can I ask today, when God interrupts your plans, what is your response? What's your response? Are you like Mary? Is it just, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Let it be according to your will. Your will be done. What? Yes, Lord. Is it one of just trust in the Lord's purpose? Or do you respond maybe a little bit differently? I think it's good to have plans. Like I said, I love having plans. It's good to have plans. It's good to have dreams. But do we surrender those plans to the Lord, having an appreciation for God's overall wisdom, work, and will in our lives? 
do we hold on to as Christ followers? Romans 8, 28. And it says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Do we trust the sovereignty of God? Do we trust that he is Lord over all creation? That even though we may be suffering or we may be in pain or confused or our whole world has felt like it's tipped upside down because of an interruption, do we trust that he is still sovereign, that he is Lord over all creation, and that he has the ability to manage every aspect of our lives and is working all things together for our good and for his good according to his purpose? Do we trust him, church? Do you trust him? You know, I, I just, I spent a lot of my years with serving Jesus, loving Jesus, um, spent a lot of those years with a delayed yes to him. And I think as I matured and uh, humbly say, you know, today in front of everyone, that that was a lot to do with a lack of trust. It's a lack of trust, really. It came down to it that I was reluctant to say yes to the Lord or to accept what he had for the new, you know, purpose or plan that he had for my life because it really didn't fit into my original plan. Eight years ago, uh, James and I, James sends his love, he's with Favour Brisbane today. But eight years ago, we moved uh, from Australia to the Philippines, a great nation of the Philippines. And uh, if you haven't heard a little bit of our story, I'd love for you to come to a new people night in the new year. Uh, we'll give you information about that when it is, but you will be blessed because it's a free meal, first off. <laughs> And uh, we tell you a little bit about the story and you get to ask some questions, whatever. It's just such a nice time to meet other people and meet some of our team. And I encourage you to, if you've not been before. But we share a little bit about our story. Basically, James grew up in the Philippines and then two weeks, uh, we spent two weeks vacation here before we were going to move. And he, we arrived and he felt, you know, this is home. This is, feels home to him. And he was, he was telling me all about how he's dreaming about the church that we could build and all the other things. We could have a school one day. And I'm just like, What? But the thing is, and I don't know how many people have told this, but if you had asked me on that trip, really, Kate, do you, do you feel like you're going to move to the Philippines? I would have said yes. Why? Because I just deep down knew that one day we were going to do this. But I was so scared. I was so scared and didn't want to say at all, maybe even. I didn't say yes. I just didn't want to say anything because I was so scared to leave all that I knew or all that I had grown up with. And it took me eight months, <laughs> eight months of not James trying to pressure me into nothing, eight months of me saying, God, I, I just, I don't know. I just, again, maybe a lack of trust there. I, I just didn't want to accept it. And it got to uh, June 29th, 2014. I was very pregnant with my first daughter. And we had our legacy offering, which uh, in Perth, Western Australia, um, we called it a miracle offering. And it was that night that James just said, Kate, we have to, you have to, it's either a yes or a, we'll do something else. He said, you know, what do you, what do you feel? And together we were making that decision together. And I said, okay, it's a yes. But I wasn't just saying it to, to James. I was saying it to the Lord. I was, and in that moment I just grieved, like I grieved like I was losing 
you know, but it was grief of this is the life that I'm no longer going to have. And I think that's, that's okay. <laughs> um, but, but I just wanted to show you this is actually the journal that I had at the time. And they're going to put a picture of it. And it basically says, is it there? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not very good handwriting. <laughs> I won't make a joke about I should have been a doctor. That's a terrible joke. I love all the doctors here. We're so grateful for you. Everything that you guys are doing for favor care. God bless you. I love you. Uh, but this is, the, this, is, this is what I wrote out. And I just, I just, as I was preparing, I thought I should show it, actually. I wish that I could show the rest of the journal, but it's really just scribbles from my kids because this just have, it's not filled with words of wisdom. It's actually filled with scribbles. Uh, so that's a lot of my journals. That's okay. Thank you, Jesus. Um, but Matthew, it says Matthew 19, 29. And as I was preparing, I felt to just share this. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mother or wife or children for my, or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But you who are first will be last and who are last will be first. I just wanted to say that there's possibly a missionary here that you have left your hometown and you're here in the Philippines. Firstly, thank you for what you're doing. God bless you in your work and what you're doing for the Lord. But this is for you today. This scripture is for you, that God sees you and he loves you. And Sharon, that's for you, wherever Sharon is, it's for you today. But I said, we say yes. We say yes. Uh, I lost a lot of time and I lost a lot of emotional energy because of my delayed yes. And I did, not just in moving to the Philippines, but other times where I have delayed, I just lost a lot of time and, and emotional energy. But I experienced the real patience and kindness of God, and I'm so grateful for that. But I'm challenged by Mary's response, and I think we all should be that. My prayer is that I would be a woman and that this would be a church full of people that would say yes to God, that we would fully trust him, that God, um, you know, when he, when he interrupts our plans, that we would just look and go, you know what, God, I might not feel like I'm the best person for the job. I can't really see that I can do this, but I know that your grace is sufficient for me. And another translation says, I, your grace is all that I need. So I trust you. And I know that your power will work through me. What if we were to be like that, to just say, I will obey. I will obey. I think what's even more inspiring for me is that Mary didn't just say yes, but she sung praises to God for choosing her. Luke 1 verses 46 to 55, it says, this is Mary's song. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. How often do we respond with praise when God interrupts our plans? Do we lift up praises to God, celebrating his faithfulness and his goodness praising him for choosing us, or do we pout? Do we feel sorry for ourselves a little bit or 
possibly even want to have a, pre- a pity party where you, you know, you try and invite people along and you all eat ice cream and you just feel sorry for yourself. It's hard to praise God when we're complaining. It's hard to praise God when we're complaining. It's hard to lift up the name of Jesus when you are using that same mouth to talk about all the things going wrong in your life. I'm so challenged to not sound like the Israelites when they were wandering in the wilderness. They were complaining and whinging about the plan that God had for them. I want to be more like Paul and Silas in the prison when they sung praises to God. Some of you might not have heard this story. That's okay. In Acts 16, if you want to read it later in the Bible, you can. But uh, basically, they were traveling and they were uh, preaching the gospel. But then something happened and they got accused and beaten and they got thrown into prison. Can I just say they were ministering. They were sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Yet, they still had a holy interruption, which shows me that even when our plans are good, even when we are doing something spiritual, God can still interrupt our plans. You know, God had a purpose for the change of plans for Paul and Silas. And in Acts 16, 25, it says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and other prisoners were listening to them. These two men had a huge interruption, yet they knew God was with them even in the prison and that surely he would have a purpose for them being there. They trusted his plan and they praised him. And then we see that God sends this earthquake that opens the prison doors and they end up at the, the prison guards and with, with his family um, eating and, and they all they tell them about Jesus and they get saved and baptized and it's incredible, it's wonderful. But Paul and Silas, their original plan got interrupted, but God had a good purpose for it. Mary's original plan got interrupted, but God had a very good purpose. And our original plans, they may have been interrupted, but we have, we've got to have full trust in God that he will work all things for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Would our response be yes? And would our hearts rejoice with praise knowing that he chose us and knowing that we can trust him and knowing that he is still in control. My second thought, that you don't have to walk through the interruption alone. When our plans are interrupted, we can either walk it alone or we can allow ourselves to be surrounded by community. I don't know if you've ever... uh, said this before, like me, me, I've said this a few times, but no one knows what I'm going through. No one knows what it feels like. Let's see, every person, no, I'm just, <laughs> don't have to raise your hand. I, I have said that a lot in my, in my life, I think. No one gets what this is like. No one knows or gets what I'm going through. And one time I was just having a, um, uh, James and I were not having a discussion, I got, I, I, you know, I was going to say fight. It wasn't a fight. It was a discussion. I said, well, no one knows what it feels like to be me. No one knows what I'm going through. And he's like, you're right. And I was like, this is literally the first time James Aiden has allowed me to have a pity party. 
And I was like, let's get the hats. Let's get those little poop-poop things and let's sit down and have ice cream together. I got him a spoon. I said, come on, babe, let's go have a pity party. Yeah, right? He said, you're right. Nobody knows what it feels like. He said, but nobody else. So there was more to it. And I thought, oh, gosh. He paused and I thought I would. But here we go. <laughs> the truth. He speaks truth into my life all the time and I'm grateful for it. He said, yeah, you're right. No one knows what it feels like. But no one else is going, you don't know what other people are going through, Kate. And other people are going through a lot of different issues and problems as well. So you're actually not alone. Maybe different, but you're not alone. And I was like, oh, I'll just go eat my ice cream by myself. <laughs> Take that spoon back. <laughs> Some of us tend to pull away from people when we feel they don't understand what it feels like for us to go through our current interruption. We can get angry disillusioned, sorrowful, mean maybe. And the very people we once prayed for to be surrounded by these people are the very people we find ourselves pulling away from. Psalm 68 verses 6, it says, God sets the lonely in families. And one reason I think that God places the lonely in families is so that they don't have to walk through interruptions alone. We see in Luke 1, 39 to 45, after Mary receives the news about that she'll carry the Messiah, she, it says, she hurries to see her, her relative Elizabeth. I want to read it out. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, a baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Mary traveled what is believed to be about 80 to 100 miles anywhere between that 80 to 100 miles from the region of Galilee to visit um, Elizabeth in the, the hill country of Judea. It says she hurried to see Elizabeth. Mary ran to community, not away from it. The angel of the Lord had mentioned to her that her relative Elizabeth was also miraculously pregnant. <laughs> so who would be a better person to be around than someone who, el who, who knows what it feels like who knows what it feels like to, to, and has a faith in God and is being used at that current time for, for his greater purpose. But Mary went out of her way to find someone who could walk with her through this interruption. And you might be here or watching online, you've been praying for someone. Someone would get alongside you in the season that you're currently in. I'd lovingly and gently love to say that you just might have to go out of your comfort zone, just like Mary, and pursue a godly connection. And I get it. It might, it might be scary. Connect groups seem scary. Coming down the front for prayer seems scary. Our favorite girl in your neighborhood events, it can, it can feel scary to go. You don't know anyone or the favorite men or movement events. And after the dinners that, you know, the youth pro, all the things that we have going on, even the sporting events, you might find it a little bit scary, but we need community. And Mary found it in Elizabeth. I love what happens when Mary arrived. 
we see Elizabeth encourages Mary and declares that she is indeed blessed and highly favored, not just because she is carrying this child, the Messiah, Jesus himself, but because she was a woman of faithfulness. Elizabeth's encouragement was a gift to Mary, a spirit-filled gift. Who has God put in your life today who you can encourage? Who could you speak some life into today? Who can you get alongside and remind them that they're not going through this alone? Or maybe you're here, again, watching online and, and you're the one in need of some of that encouragement. Just going through it, starting to feel isolated in your grief or your pain or the hardship that you're going through and starting to mumble or scream maybe, I'm not going to make it. Like, I can't do this. It's too hard. You've called the wrong person, God. Maybe that's feel like giving up. And we have this uh, slogan or saying in our church uh, that this is the family that you have been looking for. Uh, you are all my family. <laughs> Why? Because I prayed for I prayed for people like you to do life with. And so I see you as family. If this is your first time here, don't be weirded out by that. <laughs> Like, who is she? I don't know her. But you were, I prayed for, I prayed for people like you to do life with. And so if you would allow me today to be that person you need to speak courage into you, I'd love to do that. If you would allow me to be the friend that needs to speak life in you today, I'd love to do that. I want to read Psalm 23. I'm going to personalize it for you. You can either look at my eyes in the screen or you can close your eyes right now. Just let it, if that's you, you don't have to lift your hand, but I, let this speak life into you. It says, the Lord is your shepherd. You lack nothing. He makes you lie down in green pastures. He leads you beside quiet waters. He refreshes your soul. He guides you along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though you walk through the darkest valley, you will fear no evil for the Lord is with you. His rod and his staff, they comfort you. And he prepares a table before you in the presence of his enemies, in, your, in the presence of your enemies. He anoints your head with oil. Your cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow you all the days of your life. And you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is with you. Jesus loves you. He cares for you. He knows, what, he knows what's going on in your life. And God does not interrupt our lives and then let us walk through it alone. That's not what he does. In John 14, 16, verses 17, Jesus is comforting his disciples and he says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he lives with you and he will be in you. We have the Holy Spirit in us to guide us and to navigate, help navigate our way through this life. And you don't have to journey through this life alone. You have the Holy Spirit with you and you have us. And there are many people in this room that have encouraged me at times when I really needed it. They've spoken some type of life into me 
They might have thought it was just a passing comment, but it meant the world to me. It spoke courage. It, it lifted me up. And so I encourage you. That can be your story. I encourage you. Run to Jesus and run to community. My third and final thought is interruptions make room for Jesus. Mary's interruption literally <laughs> made room for the physical birthing of Jesus. Mary didn't metaphorically make room for Jesus. She physically made room for Jesus in her womb. And he changed her life. I didn't have to give birth to Jesus, thank God. <laughs> but I don't, I know that, I know what it's like to make room for him. And it changed my life. Our, inter our interruptions make room for Jesus, but the question is, do we allow him to fill it? Eight years ago, I found out, basically, we moved to the Philippines. I had a baby. Then I found out my mom was sick. And she had, I've told this a little bit before, but early onset Alzheimer's. And um, I found out, and eight, it was eight years of just a lot of grief and pain and watching her deteriorate. And about two and a half months ago, she actually passed away, went to be with Jesus and um, is in, in eternity worshiping the Lord, and I'm so happy for her. But I don't know why it was my mom. I don't know why it was her. She was the ultimate uh, person at being interrupted by God. Why her? I don't know. She was the sweetest, loveliest, never said a bad word about anybody. Just an amazing woman who loved Jesus so much. I don't, I don't know why it was her. But what I do know is a few things that I want to share. I know that God is sovereign. I really know that. I don't, I don't doubt that in any way. The journey that we've been on, I know that God is sovereign. I, I know we don't always see what God is doing. I know God didn't give my mom this sickness and he didn't kill my mom, but he did allow it. I know the greatest moment you have to hold on to Jesus is the moment that you don't understand why. I know that what I have walked through and currently am walking through has given me the ability to connect with others in similar situations, which I'm very grateful for. It's given me the ability to share Jesus with some people as well, and I'm very grateful for that. I know that He is allowing this interruption in my life to shape me and to mold me into who He wants me to be. And I know this interruption has made room in my life for Jesus. Mom passed away on the Monday, on a Monday, Monday after Favorite Girl Conference. And so I quickly flew to Australia. And uh, in Australia, we do funerals a little bit different. I know the wakes here are different. Um, but we do like you prepare for a week and then you do the funeral. It's on a one day. It's a, basically a celebration service of their life and then you go to the bury or cremation kind of thing so I arrived and we went straight into lots of tears and grateful to be with my family but we went straight into funeral preparations because we wanted to give her the best send-off she deserved it we wanted to plan and be you know make it beautiful and so so we get there and do all that and then it got to Sunday so six days after she'd passed and, and I couldn't wait to get to church because I just I was like oh I just need I need God's presence. I can't wait to be with him. So I told my dad, I'm going to come with you to your church, dad. And this is the church that I grew up in. 
This is the church that I got dedicated as a child. We did child dedications uh, here as well. But that was where I, I got dedicated as a child. So I was going back with my dad. And, and it was lovely to be with him and our other family, our family and my aunties and everything. Because this was the first time basically we'd see people um, since mom passed. And we were going to see them in two days' time at the funeral. But this was the first time. So we're hugging and people are, you know, these are people I haven't seen for 30 years. Hugging me, crying with me. You know, Kate, she's an investment. I know. And I'm like, I know. She was amazing. So we're crying in the foyer, and then we all go in. Worship was beautiful. I so enjoyed it. And, and I wasn't sitting like I normally sit here, but I was halfway down with my family. And, and I was just like, God, you know, I, I love your presence. I love tears. You know, tears are good in worship because it's like, you know, that's okay. That's, you know, but if you're crying during the sermon you know, right now, you might be crying. And that's how I felt because I was praying that God, I said, God, I've I've done a lot this week, you know, a lot of growth, a lot of pain, a lot of, I don't need you to challenge me today. I don't, probably don't need to respond today. Uh, and so I was just praying for a finance uh, sermon or something like, you know, finance, it's like, let's talk about money and then I won't cry or, you know, but, or like missions. And I could just be like, God's already sent me. <laughs> like, you will reply, you respond, I'll just sit here, you know, that type of thing. But the moment I got inside, I, I looked over and I saw the guest speaker that they had. And I was like, no, because I knew his story. And his son had passed away and was a good friend of James and mine. And, and I didn't know this amazing man of God well, but I was able to give him a big hug afterwards. But I just, God, you set me up. You've absolutely set me up today. And I went from being so happy in his presence to just sitting there going, seriously, God, you don't want to give me a break? Just like let me have one Sunday where I don't have to like, you know, cry the whole way. I, I was doing okay, you know. My, my parents had been in that church for over 40 years, so they'd already prayed for our family, which was just so beautiful. It was one of the most beautiful moments I've ever had was having the, the senior pastor pray and the whole church turns around and praying. It was just it was beautiful. So it wasn't like people didn't know what we were going. They knew. This, this man, and the funniest thing was he, he gets up and he goes, you know, and he's just be it's beautiful. He starts to cry and starts to tear up. And he said, God told me that I need to speak about, this is the title, We Don't Need to Mask Our Suffering. I was like, oh, excuse me. Excuse me. I'm just going to go get a coffee. Um, uh, and I'm like, really, God, really? Okay. And so right at the end, he's talking about the different things he's gone through. And it's, it's a lot. A lot of God interruptions in his life. A lot of thought my life was going to go this way, but now it's going this way. A lot of different things going on. And he said, if you need to respond to Jesus, basically, if you want to make room for Jesus right now, would you come forward? And I'm thinking, oh, gosh, <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm a pastor of a church. I sh I, should I even... Should I even respond? You know, like, and then I thought, but you know, but I haven't seen a lot of these people for a long time. And this that whole thing of keeping up appearances, you know, like when you go to a 20-year reunion for school, you're just like walking. Even if your life isn't great, you're just like, life is good. You know, you don't want to really take off your mask in front of, but I was like, all of these people know what we've gone through. I don't care what I look like. And so I was the first to move. I was like, excuse me, excuse me. It's just my auntie. I said, excuse me, can you hold my bag? I said, hold my bag. And I just went, I just literally directly went up. It was the middle aisle. I just walked up and I just knelt down. I was the first one. I don't know if anyone came. I know by the, by the end they did, but I didn't, I did not care. And my, my 
tears and my snot and everything hit the carpet. And I just, I just was like, God, I've got to make room for you. You've interrupted my life. And this is an opportunity that I have to make room for you. Would you feel it? I was crying and the, the pastor came up and she's a beautiful friend and she started prophesying and praying over me. And I felt the love, again, the love of community. I just oh, that she would love on me in that moment and pray for me. And then she got up and left and I just said, God, how do I do this? Like, how do you do this? Because what I was saying is in two days' time, I've got to be back in this same room to send off my mom forever. How do you do that? How do I do this? And I know that there's people here, and you've said, God, how do I do this? That same question. And I just cried on the floor. And I felt him, his presence. I felt the Holy Spirit comfort me in a way that I, I was like, I've, this feels familiar. And then he reminded me that 27 years earlier, at that exact spot of that exact church, I stood as a nine-year-old child and I dedicated my heart to Jesus. I gave my heart to Jesus. I invited him in as my Lord and my Savior. And he said, feels familiar, doesn't it? I said, 27 years later, I knelt at the exact place that he first encountered me. And I said, okay, I know. I know that how I can do this. I can do it because I've got you. He began to heal me even in that moment. I stayed there for a while. He loved on me. And he just reminded me that all my days are mapped by, out by him. That he's not surprised with what's going on. He'd give me the grace and so many different things that he ministered to me, the Holy Spirit. In the midst of my interruption, I made room for him. And I really want to do that for you now. I want to give you that same opportunity. Would you stand to your feet, church? The band, you can come. But it takes us, it takes us to make that choice. I could have just stayed in the seat. And again, like I, I said, I'd already gone through so much in that six days that I was exhausted and I just... I could have just left and really gone outside and had a, a cookie and just, you know, it's God good, you're doing it for other people. Like, we've had lots of moments. and But no, I just thought, oh, I need to make room. This interruption, I can actually make room for you. And I again, I want to do that for you. And the team are going to sing a beautiful song that I think I probably sung when I was nine years old. <laughs> in that church is, Lord, I give you my heart. Lord, I give you my soul. I live for you alone. And I want us to sing that. Is that okay if we sing that, church? And I want to invite anyone that you may be in the middle of an interruption right now and you are struggling to hold on to Jesus. Would you be brave? Like I felt like I was in that moment and I slipped out of my seat and I just went down the front. I didn't care what anyone thought. Yes, we think sometimes people might know what I'm going through. It's okay. It's okay. Would you make room for Jesus in your interruption? You can start to come if that's you. You feel like you just need to make room for Him. Uh, would you guys sing? Thank you. And our prayer team leaders, 
some of our staff, would you come forward? If that's you, just come out the front. I just really feel the Holy Spirit is wanting to touch you in this place. Come on. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. Thank you, Jesus. I live for you alone. Come on, come down the front. Someone's going to come around you. They're going to pray for you. You can kneel, you can open your hands. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. feeling alone, just feeling like you're walking through this interruption and it's, it's lonely. You know that you know that you need more of God. You know that you need community, but it's, oh, I'm exhausted. With that, would you lift your hands? You can come out the front if you'd like to, but I just want to pray for you. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, minister to every person right now reminding them that you've never left them, you've never forsaken them, that you want to do life with them and in them and through them, that even though they are walking through something right now, they are not alone because they have you. They have you to depend on. They have you to lean on. I thank you, Holy Spirit, right now, no matter where someone's standing or if they're watching online, that they would have an encounter with your reality of who you are that you are with us 
that you've not left us, the reality would come and sink deep into their heart, deep into their mind. Thank you, Jesus. We are not walking alone. The good shepherd is with us. He's with you. He's with you. He's with you. Also want to pray for anyone feeling afraid, feeling afraid of maybe what God said for you to do and you haven't done it yet, but maybe you're afraid in the midst of what you're going through. Would you lift your hands? Just another group of people. Just say, yeah, that's me. Oh, I just feel a little bit scared. Like I said, I've just, it's, just a, it's new. It's different. It seems too big for me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Come. Come. You've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And the perfect love of Jesus casts out all fear. So fear go in Jesus' name. Fear go in Jesus' name. Fear leave in Jesus' name. Fear be broken of your life in the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, that a God confidence would come. Because we look at him and say, God, if you've called me, then I'll trust you. If you've called me, like Peter, when God said, come, Peter. And he said, oh, but I've never walked on water before. But he looked in the eyes of Jesus. And he said, would you look in my eyes right now? When I call you to come, you can trust me. You can trust that when you keep your eyes on Jesus, you can take that step that seems so crazy. But you can trust him. As you step out of the boat, He's going to be with you. He's going to be with you. He's going to be with you. Pray for those that are finding it hard to understand God's purpose in this season. If you're finding it hard, just lift your hands. Say, God, I'm finding it hard. I don't know why. Like I shared, I don't know why. I can't see what you're doing. Could you just say, I trust you, Lord? Would you just say that in this place? Would you say, I trust you, Lord? I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Jesus. Come on, there's some people that feel heartbroken in this place. There's some heavy things that have gone on. And you need to scream out, I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Lord. Jesus. I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Jesus.